Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The delicious conversation starts here and now. Whether you just love to cook, you're an aspiring culinary student, or a Food Network junkie who makes great reservations, you are bound to find something you'll love on this show. I hope you'll visit ChefJamie.com for my features and forums, recipes, and cooking videos. But you can take your cooking skills to the next level just by staying tuned. In fact, if you're looking for an inspired recipe for corned beef for this week's St. Patty's Day celebration or an elevated Easter menu, I have new recipes posted daily, www.chefjamie.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. We have a full and an exciting show today, so I will tell you what's on your plate coming up. But I wondered, have you ever searched hashtag Botarga on Instagram? I highly recommend that you do, by the way. The results are numerous and ridiculously mouthwatering, not to mention inspirational. I thought I'd kick off this show with a conversation and a discussion on Botarga. If you don't know about Botarga, it is actually the Italian name for a delicacy of salted cured fish roe, and it's typically from the gray mullet, and it is frequently found near the coastlines throughout the world, specifically Sardinia, and it's often Often featured in Mediterranean cuisine. Now, there is a product similar to the uh, beautiful Botarga, and that is the softer cured roe that comes from Japan and East Asia. I tend to prefer the Italian style. Now, for those of us who love food and study its history, one of the most vexing questions is how an ingredient of humble origins suddenly becomes this sought-after delicacy that appears on fancy tables from Los Angeles to London. And as often as not, the ingredient's original purpose is forgotten because chefs don't really look into how it was used in its native land. A very famous example of this phenomenon, by the way, is the sun-dried tomato which was traditionally used to save tomato flavor for the time of year when you couldn't get fresh tomatoes. And the dried tomatoes themselves were softened in water and then cooked to make a sauce. It would never occur, by the way, to an Italian to eat the leathery chunks of a sun-dried tomato like we do in America, uh, tossed over a salad or thrown onto a chicken breast. Now, I happen to love them, but I will say I am a great fan of Botarga and it is rising in popularity and I actually like it just as the Italians do, shaved very minimally over an incredible bowl of spaghetti or uh, simply over a salad and I'll tell you more about how to use it. Now, the current example of culinary lost in translation is definitely Botarga because it's been popular in the coastal areas of Italy, especially in Sardinia, as I mentioned, and Sicily and Calabria for a lot, a lot of years. Botarga is a legacy of hardship when no part of the fish was ever discarded. But when you combine it with local ingredients, 
it proves very, very delicious and you use it very sparingly. And as I said, it is coming back into the limelight uh, and it is definitely getting hot here in the States. Now, Botarga from Tuna has a, a very distinct, very pungent flavor and it's often preferred by the Italians. The Botarga that comes from a mullet which is found in Sardinia, is definitely more delicate. The most prized Botarga comes from Cabras, C-A-B-R-A-S, in Sardinia on the island's west coast. And you can use Botarga in a bevy of ways, and there are no recipes needed. I love it in a hearty salad. I love it on risotto or shaved on top of scrambled eggs. Talk about luscious. Or on pizza or on artichokes. It's a beautiful combination with that sort of green chlorophyll, you know, really delicious um, vegetable intensity. And here's what you need to know about Botarga. You buy a whole Botarga, which is the fish's egg pouch after it's been dried and cured. And it comes sort of cryovac, essentially, like uh, in a, a tight plastic bag where the air has been sucked out. And it lasts pretty much forever, in your refrigerator once you open it in fact because it's often sold in a package at uh, room temperature it doesn't need to be refrigerated once it's cured and dried and then um, packaged properly now I will say you can make dozens if not hundreds of meals with just one botarga because all you do is pull back the outer layer and then you grate it. I use my microplane grater and it works great. Or you can slice it if you really love the flavor. I like to grate it on top of the dishes that I mentioned. Um, and I will say there's a, a something truly wonderful about a little goes a long way here because you'll get that umami beautiful flavor um, and you don't need much. Now, the best quality Botarga has a delicate sea flavor, in my opinion. It adds a salty brininess that is incomparable. And I will say, I was hooked the first time we tasted spaghetti alla botarga in Italy. Al dente pasta dressed with really fruity, good quality olive oil and dusted with the amber gold grated botarga might be one of the best things I've ever eaten, and I think you should try it. So do let me know how you use Botarga. You can email me anytime, jamie at chefjamie.com. We'll get you to me directly. Okay, in food news this week, in the fast-paced and cutthroat business of breakfast sandwiches, there was big news, in fact, it's fair to say that um, Starbucks, of course, always draws a crowd at breakfast. But as news of the coffee giant's recently announced food recall begins to circulate, things might change just a little bit. Uh, just this past week, the Federal Food and Drug Administration reported that Starbucks has issued a recall of the popular Starbucks breakfast item, their sausage, egg, and cheddar breakfast sandwich. Now, they did say that they issued the recall out of abundant caution, but it was recalled due to possible exposure to listeria, which in my experience comes from cheese. So the product has been removed. No illnesses have been reported, but I am here to forewarn you to be careful and to keep you in the know because all food lovers need delicious dinner party conversation, don't you think? <laughs> 
and do not touch your dial because there is lots more delicious conversation coming up. Sitting down in the radio studio with me next, Clancy Miller is here, a French-trained pastry chef and very happily singleton, I will say. Yes, she is a single woman who believes that there is joy in cooking solo. I am a married woman, and I will say, though I agree, she's going to share her recipes for just one or two coming up. Also, we're sharing the gastronomic pleasures of Israel near Margolith of Puzzle Israel will stop by. There are truly scrumptious dishes in Israel to visit and taste, and he'll tell you all about your next culinary tour. Also, we are sharing lifestyle tips and everything to make your day more delicious. And of course, we will feed your soul all the way till the end of the hour. So don't touch your dial. More fabulous food coming up right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'll be right back. Satisfying your cravings every Sunday. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Table for one? Oh, yes. If you cook solo, well, Clancy Miller is going to help you find your groove. As she says in her new book release entitled Cooking Solo, there are more than 100 million in the United States that are singletons. And if you're single or cook for just one, well, then Clancy is helping you to avoid endless leftovers and sky-high bills from too many dinners out. She says it's all about eating the good food that you deserve. Her book is chock full of beautiful recipes that are made for one or two because most menu plans are still made to feed a family of four. And I love the joy that she shares of cooking for yourself. I am delighted that Clancy is joining us live. Hi, Clancy. Glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Okay. Talk to us about being a singleton. I think it's really extraordinary, the statistic. And I think that you found this brilliant niche to cook smaller recipes for for one or two. But I love the idea that you speak about these recipes for more than just singletons. It's about the joy of being alone in the kitchen sometimes or dining by yourself. Really, it's very restorative to mm. just spend some quality time with yourself. Yes. And in all honesty, when I began really starting to cook for myself a lot, I actually was dating actively. I still date. But at the time, it didn't come so much from just being alone all the time. It really came from, oh, I have some downtime. I'm hungry. I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> and at the time, I was a culinary student in Paris. And so I was learning interesting things about food and exploring beautiful markets there and really just wanting to experiment from time to time in the kitchen. And then it was just a moment of pleasure for myself. And then I fortunately had, and I continue to have food-loving friends. So after I experimented on myself, I could share things that I created for myself with my friends. But it was also really just a way to relax and get creative in the kitchen and to kind of have a special moment for myself and not necessarily an extravagant one, just 
a moment with good food and a good glass of wine and um in me. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I am a happily married girl, but to me, that sounds good. I, I enjoy my time alone in the kitchen. Um, I do enjoy dining out once in a while by myself. I'll sit and have sushi by myself just to be in my own thoughts and place. And there is no doubt uh, an, an audience. I mean, you're a happily singled woman, single woman. There's, there's an audience for recipes that are scaled down um, that you can enjoy and maybe have a few bites of leftovers, as you allude to in the book, um, and and really hone in and, and practice your culinary skills and perfect your dishes and create signature recipes that I assume can then, of course, be uh, multiplied proportionally to cook for a crowd. Absolutely. I, my logic is that cooking for one or a recipe that serves one is the easiest math because you can then just multiply by the number (laughs) of people you're going to be entertaining. And there's also an entertaining chapter. So in one respect, I've kind of taken care of the math. Um, If you're ever having dinner parties or one of my favorite things to do with my friends is to have a brunch and just to fix a whole bunch of things and let people have at it. Um, But, yeah, the math is also done for the single servings Mm -hmm. and so it's easier and my whole thinking is that it should be easy it doesn't have to be really difficult I think a lot of times people are intimidated or wonder why should I just cook for me or you know by myself but I think you know just because you are in the kitchen by yourself does not mean you have to just have and cheese. <laughs> Do you remember that <laughs> commercial? That's right, Clancy. You know that commercial long ago where the ladies all sat and said what they ate from the pantry? Like, I ate a whole can of olives. I, I, I ate the jar of artichoke hearts for dinner, right? I remember exactly. that. And, and it's not necessary. And there is delicious inspiration. Um, I love that you talk about your globe-trotting girlhood in the book. And your uh, French uh, culinary training certainly had quite an impact. You have lots of wonderful uh, classic, classical French influence in the book. And the first page I turned to um, was the chocolate pancakes with oh my gosh ganache and i loved the mention of hot cocoa really nice simple tips and tricks through the book that i thought um where you shared wisdom um so can you make us a cup of hot cocoa to start absolutely yeah (laughs) so the hot cocoa i i one of my first apprenticeships in paris was at this great little patisserie it was more like a patisserie salon de thé tea salon yes and I learned from them. They had me make one of my first beverages I had to make, or probably the only beverage I really ever had to make, was the ganache or the hot cocoa, which always started out with just the ganache, which is just you can make it for a lot of people or you can make it for um, yourself. And it's just basically you're chopping up whatever kind of chocolate you like, whether it's dark chocolate, milk chocolate, and you're... um, I like to heat it over a bain-marine. Yes. Uh, combine it with your your cream, which you've also heated. Again, however much you like. I like to pretty much just heat up maybe a cup of milk, whole milk I like. Add that to my melted chocolate, and then I whisk it together. Mm. And um, I add up add the a little more milk if I want. I usually don't like to add sugar. Um, and sometimes I'll add like a little vanilla. Nice. And 
Ganache does everything, doesn't it? I mean, ganache makes truffles. Ganache makes chocolate sauce. Ganache makes the best hot cocoa. Um, I could use a cup right now. Um, let's- yeah, and it's nice and it adds thickness when you yes. use the ganache. Yeah, you have viscosity and that texture. Okay, let's delve into the recipes. I love the idea of a scavenger hunt fried rice because isn't that using up everything you have left in the produce bin of your refrigerator? Exactly, and that's where it comes from. You know, I usually try to have some vegetables on hand, so there's always kale often. Um, and the idea is sometimes you have to clean out your refrigerator and sometimes you haven't gone grocery shopping. So it's kind of a combination of um, let's see what's there <laughs> and let's just um, do In this case, it's kind of like a mini stir fry over rice. And, you know, I give you pointers on how you begin, but it's, it's really using whatever vegetable-wise is in your refrigerator, yep. adding it to some rice, adding a nice little sunny side up egg on top Mm. and it's really easy really and really smart Um, in the book cooking solo you will find four meals in one Clancy shares recipes for a tarragon roasted chicken on Monday and then tacos on Tuesday where you utilize that chopped chicken meat and then a chicken salad Wednesday and a a chicken sandwich Thursday which I think is really smart uh, as well to really utilize if you are going to cook for more than one or two um, then you l- use up the leftovers, essentially. Um, and then leave us with a sweet note, Clancy. Uh, you have a, a crush on um, an actor because you love movies, <laughs> right? Almost as much as cooking. Um, and I love this idea of baking in a smaller quantity. So if you would talk about your brownies. So my crush <laughs> is on Chiwetel Ejiofor, yes. who's an amazing actor. He was in um, the great movie Kinky Boots, which is now on Broadway. Yes. And he was more recently in the movie um, 12 Years a Slave. And he's, he was also in Love Actually. And it, I could go on and on. I love that movie, by the way, Love Actually. One it of my is, favorites. Yes. So sweet. Um, so, I, so I have a big crush on him, and I read an interview with him saying how much he loves brownies, and he went on talking about brownies, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, we have something in common. <laughs> and <laughs> so I came, I love brownies, and I love to make them, but usually I make them for a big group. And then basically I just started playing around with how can I make a brownie just for one serving, because... It can be dangerous to have a whole, you know, sheet of brownies. No doubt. Yeah, so this just plays it down, and you're basically just using a ramkin to do the baking um, for a single serving. And it's perfect because, first of all, you can eat it out of the ramkin. It kind of looks classy. You can add a little scoop of ice cream if you want. And you can play around with chocolate, too. I, I have a very simple, straightforward recipe, but if you want to add a hint of cinnamon or... You know, you, I also like to add a little salt on top if I have a little ice cream with it. But it's a really simple dessert if you just want to indulge mm. your chocolate cravings. Oh, for sure. I, I think there are fantastic ideas all throughout your book. Um, and the photography is luscious. And the recipes are playful and they're fun and they're for everyday life. And I congratulate you. Uh, I really think this is a wonderful new release. It's called Cooking Solo, and it is written by writer and pastry chef Clancy Miller. And you can hear about her uh, culinary escapades and her rise in the culinary world through the stories that are interwoven throughout the book. But it's all about the joy of cooking for yourself. 
And you can learn more and find delicious inspiration on Clancy's website at clancymiller.com. She starts Clancy with a K. And then you can follow her um, and her uh, culinary goings-on at Clancy Cooks, K-L-A-N-C-Y Cooks. Clancy, congratulations. Keep cooking for one. I love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, a pleasure. As the delicious conversation continues, there's more inspiration in your radio for fabulous food right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, Food is Life, Create and Savor Yours. The food scene in Israel is thriving, and Israeli food is considered to be some of the healthiest and most delicious in the world. Israel's flourishing culinary landscape offers those who love to travel, explore, and eat an opportunity to see spice markets, vineyards, organic farms, and more. And the opportunity to see Israel from a foodie's perspective just got better. Childhood friends and Israel destination experts Chef Nir Margalith and Guy Marome started Puzzle Israel to break away from the rigid itineraries that most of the group tours follow. And they assembled a local team of insider travel experts who curate trips that are food intensive and really extraordinary. And oh, I want to go. Nir is the founder and director of Puzzle Israel, and he has stopped by on his trip through the U.S. before he heads back to his homeland to enlighten us to the beauty that is Israel and the incredible cultural and natural landscape that offers such true delicious gastronomy. I am glad to have you here, Nir. Welcome. Thank you very much, Jamie. Mm, of this course. Is a great opportunity. <laughs> How nice. Thank you. Um, give us a, a glimpse of the food scene in Israel right now, please. And, and a lay of the land, if you would, as far as, you know, tourism and the economy as well. Oh, so Israel, um, as, as you just said, um, have bloomed in the past five years mm. from uh, restaurants in every market, small farms up in the north and down south in the, in the desert, which is uh, 60% of our small country. So culinary, it's, it's time to come and taste some very cool and very new tastes that uh, Israeli culinary scene is, uh, is giving you. Um, it's, uh, it's one country that holds about 10 different countries in that small, uh, narrow strip on the Mediterranean Sea. So come and come and visit and taste, mm. and uh, we'll take you on a culinary adventure. Yes, no doubt. And there is a lot of encouragement to visit Israel today, is there not? Because the economy, as much as we see Israel as a superpower, uh, the economy has fluctuated, and there is no doubt that the 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 food scene, the um, the the athletic scene, as far as you know, going for uh, creative inspiration or cycling, right, or uh, sort of the destination focus of visiting Israel is more than just a religious experience today. Um, yes, 
I would say I would start with, uh, unfortunately, Israel is suffering from uh, very bad publicity over the news, and, and people who are not coming and seeing it with their own eyes are judging Israel from what they see on all the news channels. And unfortunately, it's, it's just not true. Hmm. Uh, you come, you experience a country, and then you can judge what you think uh, is going on there. Um, with take, inviting people, traveling Israel in a different perspective, and not just because it's the only land, um, gives us a chance to meet new people who are looking to cycle and to do some yoga and, of course, to eat yes. um, and cook their way mm. through their trip. Um, every um, second person became a foodie, um, and I think that's why we mm. started our focus, by um, feeding the people and then showing them around our backyard. Um, as growing up in the Galilee of Israel, both me and Guy um, haven't met so many tourists in Israel. Just when we went to Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and started asking people, what are you doing here? We found that we hear more English and French than anything else. Um, but uh, to bring them to the periphery and a little bit out of the big cities is a very hard challenge for them because they, they, have, they don't know the way, uh, they don't speak Hebrew, um, and uh, it's just, it was just hard. So, and that's the platform I think we opened in the past five years to bring you to see the real Israel and not only jump from one city to another. I think it's wonderful what you're doing to bring people to travel and eat and connect in Israel. And I have never been, um, and with my Jewish heritage uh, specifically, and then my love of food, as you know, um, I would love to experience Israel from a, a culinary perspective. We know about Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, like you said, as the bigger cities, but what would you say are the best places to visit if we were to travel with you and Guy and Puzzle Israel? And just highlight, if you would, like your favorite food or your favorite dish from that particular place. What is in indigenous to that area that we that we would uh, salivate over? Um, so, again, you're coming for Israel from a very far um, distance. Mm. Um, you'll land, and I would recommend you take your time for at least um, 9 to 12 days Okay. to take your time and do explore um, Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. They're both amazing destinations, um, and they started the culinary scene in Israel. Yes. Um, everyone goes, every young chef or cook, starts his way in some kitchen in Tel Aviv, just like I did um, 10 years ago, um, cutting some uh, uh, peeling potatoes and cutting some onions mm -hmm. for, for my big chefs that have taught me how to do it. Um, and the, in the market scene of both cities is just amazing. You'll go through the market and you'll see how um, restaurants are popping up like mushrooms. Um, mm -hmm. rest, uh, in Israel, it's less uh, farm-to-table and more market-to-table because everything you see in the market comes from the farm. So it's a farm-to-market, market-to-table, um, and then it's as creative as you can think of. Israel is much more of small dishes, a little bit like tapas. Right, in Spain, of course, the, the Spain. small plates. Yes, and, and in Spain, the Barcelona market or Madrid, or Madrid, they both have amazing markets mm -hmm. that you can just grab food and taste and, yes. and go to the next stand and taste, taste another. I think we've brought a lot of that to Israel in the past five years. You'll cross the markets and you can eat your whole day. Hmm. Now, leaving these cities, where do you go? You go and visit the farmers. Um, we believe that meeting the people, and that was why we called it um, Travel, Eat, Connect. It's 
you're traveling, you're eating, you're tasting new things that are less of your um, normal uh, menu, and you're meeting the people. Um, if wonderful. it's a chef, if it's a cook, or if it's a farmer that right. grows organic uh, uh, beets in the Galilee. There are tremendous gastronomic pleasures all throughout Israel. More with Nir Margolith of Puzzle Israel just after the break. We're taking you on a culinary tour and sharing the beauty that is the gastronomic pleasures of Israel. Near Margolith is here. You have a lot of markets, as you spoke about, a lot of farms. Um, there's a lot of wonderful food in Israel. And one of the things I love about Israeli cuisine is it's been very influenced from the areas around it, right? There's an extraordinary emphasis on fresh and they're really clean, healthy, wonderful flavors. So if we were to, let's say, brush up on our Israeli food at home before we leave for Israel, uh, give us a few ingredients essential to making uh, great Israeli food. Um, I find it uh, funny through my travels here that uh, we use ingredients and we find them in different markets here, which are... Um, unusual just and once you mix the eggplant with uh, let's say tahini and yogurt you have a Mediterranean dish yes. that people just um, it, it, the taste are, is so different than what they're used to mm-hmm. because it's fresh because it's healthy um, and it doesn't need to be heavy um, I think that's what we are coming and uh, talking about eggplant tahini um, um, the most Israeli dish today is the sabich and sabich will be a pita filled with eggplants mm. and boiled potatoes and boiled eggs and a great Israeli salad and some tahini. And try it once. You'll want it every day, uh, at least for breakfast or lunch. Um, I can't wait to travel with you. I commend you and Guy for supporting um, the homeland um, that is Israel of yours and for bringing what is really an extraordinary op- opportunity to uh, take a culinary tour of Israel from a chef's perspective. Um, it is a tailor-made service that allows you to create an everlasting, beautiful impression of the incredible country, state, uh, cultural, and natural landscape and gastronomic influencer that Israel is. So um, whether you're planning your first trip or your 10th trip, uh, trust me, you want to travel with Nir and Guy. I know I do. Um, their company is called Puzzle Israel. And again, you can find a link to Nir's recipes as they um, they cater and travel for food and all, all that good stuff in addition to plan your trip. Um, posted at chefjamie.com with a direct link to puzzleisrael.com. Um, Nir, thank you for sharing your passion, for stopping by when you were here in the U.S. Um, safe travels back, and I cannot wait to visit Israel with you soon. Thank you very much, Jamie. It's we my pleasure. You thank and, you. Um, Look and forward bring to it. people to Israel. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this.
Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. It's time to have a little fun outside of the food world. I like to mix things up, as you know, and I've actually been asking this gentleman to come on the show and share his passion for some time now. You see, Richard Lustig is the seven-time winner of Lottery Game Grand Prizes. And while the billion-dollar Powerball jackpot has come and gone, and, well, it might come again, the chance to collect lottery money continues all across the country every day, as Richard says, and you could still be a winner. Given that so many people have asked Richard to share his winning lottery method, he wrote the book entitled Learn How to Increase Your Chances of Winning the Lottery, which details exactly how he does it. And now that his schedule has calmed down after the big media blitz of the Powerball jackpot, he is sitting down with us to dish. And I'm glad to have you, Richard. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. I like the hors d'oeuvres you're serving. Well, thank you very much. And I understand um, through a friend that uh, knows you well, you make very good reservations. Yes, that, that's my, my wife loves it when I make dinner because I often, <laughs> when I do I make reservations. Yes, good. Okay, and so we need lots of money, please, to go eat at the best restaurants and um, to travel the world for food. And as I did mention and allude to, Richard, you know I'm very food focused, but mm-hmm. um, I, I love the idea of mixing it up and throwing in some lifestyle tips here and there. And this certainly is about changing your lifestyle. I I often tease my husband. You have to play to win is that the first step of course it is okay. of course it is. it's like the saying you have to be in it to win it that's so, right you know i i encourage people to play the lottery otherwise you're not going to win at all but the one of the most and there's many many things that i warn people about but one of the most important and first things that i warn people about is to set a budget very good figure out what you can afford to spend do not get what's called lottery fever. Don't spend grocery money. Don't spend rent money. Don't worry how much Joe Blow down the street is spending. Don't worry how much Richard Lustig is spending. (laughs) Maybe they can afford more than you. Figure out what you can afford to spend and stay within that budget. Okay, good tip. Thank you. And very important uh, to preface this all with. Uh, But now that we are budgeted and spending money uh, on the lottery, how do you increase your chance of winning so that I'm not just like the next guy playing? Well, of course, my book is something that you have to follow. Everybody seems to think there's this magic set of numbers that... They call. I get this all the time. I get people call me up and say, "Well, can't can't you just give me the numbers for just this Saturday night? I just need to win one time." You know, it's like uh, the Wizard of Oz is not going to Oz is not going to uh, grant your wish. I'm right. sorry, you know, it's not doesn't going to work that way. Um, there, it's a, my method is a plan that you have to follow, and with any plan, it takes time, it takes effort that you have to put into it. But I have made my method so simple. And so easy to follow. You don't need a dictionary to follow it. You don't need a calculator to understand it. You know, and, and with time, if you read the whole book and you follow the various things in my method, the combined things in my method is what's going to increase your chances of winning. Every individual thing increases a little bit, but the whole method in itself, entirety right. is what increases it the most. Okay, so give us a secret or two. Like, I would love to know, 
Uh, do you play the same numbers all the time? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about that. Okay. Why don't you buy quick picks? Okay. More people have won with quick picks than those who pick their own numbers. Oh, and that is true. More people have won with quick picks than those who pick their own numbers. But what they don't tell you is millions and millions and millions of more people have lost who bought quick picks than those who played their own numbers. Well, we certainly appreciate your sharing the ins and the outs and the do's and the don'ts. He is seven-time lottery game grand prize winner and best-selling author Richard Lustig, L-U-S-T-I-G. And you can learn more about his success and how to make it your own in the wonderful world of the lottery at winninglotterymethod.com. Richard, continued success to you. I'll let you know when I win, okay? All right, bye-bye. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. I hope that I inspired you to make something beautiful for Sunday supper to really, truly make a concerted effort to sit your family and friends down at the table and to enjoy a good meal and that you'll find more inspiration, uh, daily dishes, and my daily posts as well at chefjamie.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chefjamiegwen. And of course, you can find podcasts of shows you might have missed posted at the center of my website and found on iTunes and FeedBurner and Blueberry. I will leave you with my last bite for the hour. While it's usually a three-ingredient recipe or something super simple you can make from your pantry, you know I love those, this is more a lifestyle tip. I read about it this past week and I thought it was fabulous and I just had to share. It's a new app for your cell phone and I do think that it has the possibility of feeding your soul. It's called No More Voicemail because as they say, Some people just don't get it. I mean, they insist upon using that phone of theirs to make actual phone calls. And then they have the nerve to expect you to listen to the messages. Well, I happen to pick up my messages, but for those of you that aren't voicemail fans, the time has come for no more voicemail. It is a new app that simply won't ever permit your voicemail to answer the phone again. It is a real thing, and it is downloadable now. And so, you no longer have have to pick up a voicemail again. You install the app on your phone, and next time you get a call, you either answer it or you don't, but that's about it. It goes, actually gets forwarded to another number that just rings and rings and rings and rings. Now, that would probably cause me to go insane listening to a ringing cell phone. But if you are a no voicemail kind of person, well, then this app is for you. Once again, it's called No More Voicemail. And that is truly the decadent age of technology that we live in. Speaking of decadence, there is more culinary conversation coming up in your radio next Sunday. We'll talk travel and health and all things delicious. And I hope that you'll tune in. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I hope you continue to eat well.